Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. <laughs> oh my god. That's my name. The Don't what, wear it out. <laughs> no, the What the Florida I just pulled up is like bonkers. Uh, and you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Stay till the end to hear the What the Florida. Oh my god, you're not even going to believe this. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. <sighs> This time in true crime, we just discovered that we might explore Diana's death a little bit more sometime. <laughs> I mean, hit us up on the Instagram at a stranger danger podcast and tell me if you're team Meghan Markle or team Royal family. If you watch the interview, the interview, the Oprah interview, just tell me what team you're on. You guys don't need to know what team we're on, but just tell us what team you're on. Team Markle. Team Markle. <laughs> I'll do a poll. Oh, sorry. I'll do I just a poll. snorted on here. <laughs> Reminds me of Mr. Sparkle on The Simpsons. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So, um, anything else that we need to discuss before we get started? Not I that think, I'm aware of. I think we're good, right? Yep. Cool. All right. Let's talk about murder. Okay. So, oh, wait, 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 wait. I got one. I got one. Someone posted over in the group. That thing about Lake Superior. I didn't know this. What is this? Have you not read it? Read it? No. Have you not read it? I haven't read it. So Katie uh-huh. posted over on the group, apparently Lake Superior has three quadrillion gallons of cold water, water that's so cold a dead body will never float to the surface <gasps> because the water is never warm enough to grow the bacteria needed to cause a dead body to float. Oh. And it's totally true. That's true. And so, like, there's this thing about, like, how many dead bodies are there in Lake Superior type thing. No one's looked. You can't, like, well, th- it's so deep, three quadrillion tons, that yeah. if the body never floats, how do you even begin? Unless you have reason to. But I still don't think you're going to find something like that. And don't sign me up for it. I don't know. Send out the cadaver dogs that were sniffing for Lucy. <laughs> yeah, because they were so good. Only well, took them three times to finally land on something. I was shaken and seriously, wow. like, very bothered. Almost just, like, freezes them and leaves them at the bottom. Which just, like, permanently preserves them. Wow. Uh, that's scary. Yeah. Where's Lake Superior? Michigan? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, where is Lake Superior? Situated on the northern edge of Wisconsin, Lake oh. Superior extends from the upper peninsula of Michigan hey. north to Ontario, Canada, and reaches west to Minnesota. We'll then, if one of the like first questions associated with it are, how many dead bodies are in Lake Superior? <laughs> Is there an answer to that? It says, just in the shipwrecks alone, because apparently there have been several oh. shipwrecks, over 10,000 lives have been lost in the shipwrecks just on Lake Superior. Not even including, like... Wow. And it is true. It says Lake Superior doesn't give up her dead. Doesn't give up her dead. That's The scary. water lingers at a constant 34 degrees Fahrenheit, or 1.1 Celsius. Shit. Oh, my God. The deepest point in Lake Superior is 1,300 feet. Yeah, you can't even begin meters. to do that. You can't, like, you can't scuba dive that. Dang. Anyway. All right. Well, if you're in Michigan. Thanks for that fun fact, Katie. I lost sleep over it. Don't meet, don't meet your Tinder date at Lake Superior. 
<laughs> don't go on Tinder. Just, just don't. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that Tinder is not a good idea. Just don't meet any first date at Lake Superior. Do, do us all a favor. Just don't date. <laughs> <laughs> It oh will always gosh. end badly. Always choose the house. <laughs> always. Always choose the house. All right. You ready to talk about some murder? Yes. You ready to talk about mattresside? And Death by mattress? Not by killing mattress. <laughs> Is this like a soft kill with a mattress? Here comes ghost. Here's your tagline. God damn it. They said that that purple flex hex whatever was breathable. (laughs) So matricide is like parents, killing parents. (laughs) How did it end up as matricide though? Because that sounds like mothers killing mothers. But I think it's like maternal Death by mattress. <laughs> I was like, did they smother them with a mattress? Well, I'm sorry. Matricide is just the killing of one's mother. So, uh, spoiler alert. Got it. My mom dies. dies. Okay. Yeah. Matricide. Okay. So, this story, this case, not this case particularly was brought on to me, but I have a friend who put me on to a YouTube page called JCS Criminal Psychology. Okay. So this YouTube page has primarily interrogation videos or just videos of suspects in general. And a lot of their body language is analyzed. A Mm. lot of the words that they use are analyzed, just their reactions in general, just the psychology behind almost every action that they have is being analyzed and either how that will absolve them or point to them even more. So Mm -hmm. this is JCS Criminal Psychology, really good YouTube video. If you're into that part of, you know, that branch of true crime, which I really am, which is the why, the how, and just like the minute things, definitely go check them out. So one of the cases that they cover on there is a case that has hours upon hours of interrogation videos that have been let out. This is the case of Jennifer Pan in Canada. So Jennifer Pan, she, I'm going to tell you everything from womb to tomb. Um, so Jennifer Pan, you know, I like to do that. Yeah. So she was born June 8th, June 17th, 1986. So she's around my age, give or take a year or two. So she was born in Markham, Ontario in Canada. And she was the, the first, the oldest daughter to immigrant parents that had come over from Vietnam. Both of her parents were refugees that came to Canada or went to Canada separately, but met in Canada, eventually got married, settled down. They both worked blue-collar jobs at a, like, casting place, mm-hmm. making auto parts. So they, were, they both worked really hard. They, of course, almost, you know, what parent, what family doesn't want to give their kids everything that they never had, right? Mm-hmm. So when they got married, they had two kids. They had Jennifer and her younger brother, Felix, they were living in a neighborhood that wasn't as good as they wanted to have their family sure. grow in. So they saved enough money. They eventually moved to a, you know, middle-class neighborhood. They were doing really well for themselves. They were frugal, 
but with a purpose. They were saving money to be able to pay for their kids' school. Okay. That makes sense. Right. So they bought a really nice house. They were doing well for themselves. They drove a Mercedes and a Lexus. This will come into play. So and not super frugal. N- no. I mean, they treated themselves a little bit. Oh, yeah. Good no. for them, right? Yeah. But they saved... Uh, at this point, they had about $20,000 set aside for the kids so they can pay for their college and pay for school. Okay, so quick question. Yeah. Marriage or mortgage? <laughs> <laughs> I will not let it go. $20,000? A house, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, get me a court wedding. If I can have a house. Truly. Give me a, give me a court yeah. wedding. Yeah, tell me where to sign. Exactly. So... Um, twenty thousand dollars to send their yep. kids to so school. So they had this, you know, they had this little honeypot set aside for their kids. So ever since the kids were little, they started them doing extracurricular activities. So we come to know now that these were parents that were adding some type of pressure to the kid to be successful in whatever it is that they were doing mm-hmm. because of their culture and in the you know in the Asian community they. They're called sometimes tiger parents. Okay. Okay. So these parents, they want their kids to be successful. She was enrolled in piano and skateboard, uh, skateboarding, <laughs> figure skating. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, oh, okay. they did not want her to be. Okay. No. So she was enrolled in piano and figure skating as soon as age four. Oh, wow. So this is something that she started doing. As soon as she could start walking, as I could, you know, I don't yeah. know. But so, I mean, one year old you know walk, I mean? but. <laughs> but you know what I mean. So they they had her enrolled in these things. This was something that you know, the school and activity, school and activity, little little room for anything else to have like a normal childhood type of thing. They mm-hmm. always were on her. They were always taking her to practices and and what have you. So. She was on track to be a really good figure skater. She was really good. She was the top of competitions, etc. But at the age of 14, she did suffer a knee injury. Mm -hmm. So that went out the window. Okay. Okay? So she no longer could figure skate. Her hopes and dreams were to be, you know, represent Canada at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But obviously that never came to fruition. Sure. So she honed in on her music. She went to high school and she was in the band there. While she was in the band, um, and she went to a school that was for kids that performed well, um, her parents, again, were, uh, you know, putting on pressure. You got to do whatever it is that you're doing. Oh, yeah. Her mom uh, seems to have been the, I know it's your dad that's putting all this pressure on you. Just do the best that you can. You know, she was a loving mother, but she stuck by her husband's side as far as like, yeah, let's do what your dad says. United front. Exactly. So during her um, junior year, Mm -hmm. she was given the opportunity to go to Europe for a band performance. And while she was in Europe, um, she'd known this boy already, uh, and this was Daniel Wong, but they hadn't really connected until they went on this trip to Europe. He was kind of like the bad boy. He was, you know, a year older than her, or at least in, in a great year older than her. 
And it's said that while they're in this trip to Europe, while they were at their performance in the hall that they were in, it was a little bit smoky or for some reason or another, she started having an asthma attack and an anxiety attack just because she was having an asthma attack. Mm -hmm. And it was Daniel Wong that came to the rescue and calmed her down and et cetera. So because she hadn't been allowed to date boys or to have any other interactions Mm -hmm. with people... This is her first big trip away from home, and she's, you know... A damsel in distress. She's in Europe, and so she kind of fell for this boy, and she fell for him hard. So they came back, and they started dating, unbeknownst to her parents. And the parents also did not find out that her grades were starting to slip. Okay, so this is high school. Her grades are starting to slip. This is a smart cookie, though. I'll give her that. She started faking her report cards, telling her parents she's passing her classes. So come senior year, her parents didn't know that she had been failing. Mm-hmm. And she she had gotten accepted to a local college where she was going to go do her generals. Mm-hmm. And she had convinced her parents that was okay. It was a little bit cheaper. And she said she had gotten, you know, uh, scholarships and grants, et cetera, to go to college and go for free. Um, but the parents didn't know that she actually did not even graduate high school. She even made a fake diploma for high school. And then because she missed this one last class of calculus, that all she had to do was retake the school that actually had given her admission rescinded the admission. Mm. What did Jennifer do? She pretended to go to classes for two years. Dang. (laughs) This girl is committed. To the lie. She... How old is she at this point? So at this point, she's... I mean, she's at a graduating high school age, but she's not. Um, So... And supposedly gone to college for two years? Right. 19 or 20? Something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, Actually, I know she was 21 because uh, they talk about how she hadn't even ever gotten drunk. Not that it's a rite of passage, but it's just one of those things that she was very sheltered. But she's Canadian, right? Yes. Is the Canadian drinking age 21? I don't know. Hold on. Let's check. Cheyenne, I need your help. <laughs> she has to be online. Phone a friend. Help. Cheyenne, this all comes down to you, girl. You better answer my DM. <laughs> <laughs> She's online. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> we are recording. We like, need your answer now. I was like, do not fail me. <laughs> she never would. She said, which province? Oh, my God. In Ontario, Canada. Ontario. She said it's 18 or 19 tops. Okay. Okay. So she actually could have been 19. Right. So she never had that. You Thank leave, you, Cheyenne. You can leave this in. Thank Thanks, you. Cheyenne. <laughs> Dude, that was fast. She Real listen, time that's here. That's my girl. That's, that's my girl. awesome. That's Cheyenne and Ashley. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's like, why the hell are you doing that to my name? Sorry. It's all Mackenzie's fault. It is my fault. Um, she knows. So she had never had the experiences that you would normally have in college. But what she was doing, though, is that her parents were dropping her off. And she was she would go into, like, the library and she would get books or she would buy books, like, secondhand. And she would go online and look up the topics 
for science general classes and write down notes. So she was committed to this lie. And so that if her parents were to look through her backpack or whatever, she would be having notes that were relevant. So she also had like a part-time job doing... Is she a genius, Loki? Oh my God. (laughs) Kind of, but like a stupid genius. We'll get there. So she had this part-time job. She was at a restaurant and she was um, doing piano lessons, like private piano lessons for people because, she, you know, she was some kind of savant, I guess. I'm just kidding. I don't know. But so she was earning some little money on the side, but the school was a little bit away from the house. It was at least like a good 30, 40 minute drive. And so they so she convinced her parents to let her stay at a local friend's house some overnights. His the friend's name is Tavon. He's mm-hmm. not related in this case at all, other than in this where he was the one that she used as the screen cover for when she was staying the night over in another God. town. So we done that before. We, <laughs> we all done that. So her parents at this point though knew of Daniel and didn't want her hanging out with him, but that's who she was staying with and not Tavon the friend in the town at the same town as the college. So she was faking all this time and then the dad eventually, you know, starts asking her like, "Okay, when are you thinking of going to the University of Toronto like to actually go to school for what you're going for, which is pharmacology at this point. And that's because the dad kind of settled with her, like compromised, like, okay, you can't be a doctor, I get it, you get nauseous, etc. You can't be you can't be you can't see blood. So why don't you still do something in the field, like pharmacology? And mm-hmm. she's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll do pharmacology. And then um <laughs> Because she hadn't been going to college in the first place, she told her parents that she'd been accepted into University on Toronto and made another acceptance letter. And even though the parents had the money set aside to pay for schooling, why she told them that they never had to pay was because she was on all these scholarships and all these grants. So she pretended to go to University of Toronto again for another two years. <laughs> and oh all gosh. this time, all she's doing is like, going to Daniel's house and hanging out with him. And we know that Daniel had a bit of a rough go at life. So he's been arrested a couple times. He has a rap sheet. Um, Her dad supposedly, her mom found out about the boyfriend one time when he was like dropping her off. And so the parents confronted her and, you know, you can't have a boyfriend, etc. Apparently the dad didn't like him. She says, this is Jennifer's own words, because he was racially profiling the boyfriend because the boyfriend was not Vietnamese. He was Chinese and he just didn't want that in the family. I think it was more that he had a rap sheet. Um, I would tend to agree. Right. She's saying she went to junior college and then that she went to pharmacology school. And then as the time is coming for her to graduate pharmacology uh, classes or college... She tells her parents that she got a job at a hospital working in the lab for blood samples, working blood samples. And I guess this the hospital's called like Sick Kids or a Hospital for Sick Kids or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well. So same thing. She doesn't have a car. So her parents, you know, come drop her off and pick her up sometimes, etc. And she's again, it's one of those places where it's a little bit far away. So she's telling her parents she's still staying with her friend Tavon. And 
Um, she conveniently told her parents that she's work. She was scheduled to work like nights and weekends and some overnights. So that mm. gives her overnight stays now that she could stay freely with her parents, thinking that she's working at a hospital lab. Mind you, the graduation piece for her pharmacology college, supposedly, she and Daniel at this time sat down and made this huge fake letter that was supposed to be sent out to the parents saying, we have an abnormally large class graduating this year, so we're limiting the amount of tickets and people, spectators that can be at graduation, so we're only giving everyone two tickets or sorry, one ticket. And then, so she told her parents that because she only was given one ticket and she didn't like want to make the other parent feel bad, she wasn't going to give it to them. She was going to give it to a friend to go to the graduation. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) Um, And the parents were like, okay. You know, I I don't know the, I I mean, I know the dad worked early. I don't know. Listen, my mom's not nearly as controlling. And if I told her that she couldn't come to my graduation, my my parents was going to go. My parents would flip. My mom would have called the school and been like, I would like to speak with the supervisor. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, I, I don't know how those conversations went, but apparently she was, I think because she was playing like the good child, the good older child, like I'm going through college, I'm doing all these things, I'm being successful. Her parents might have just taken her for what she was saying and believed her and gone with it. Her dad, though, mm-hmm. starts thinking something's weird. It's about time. <laughs> because what set him off was he does she doesn't have a uniform. Mm-hmm. She's working at a hospital. Yes. Even janitors have uniforms. Right. And she doesn't have an ID badge. Which that you is crucial. need to enter almost anything in a hospital nowadays. So the dad was suspicious mm-hmm. and said, let's go drop her off and see where she goes. Let's go without telling her, like, oh, let's go see your work. Mm-hmm. So they dropped her off. This girl takes off knowing something's up. And goes and hides for three hours inside the hospital, like in an ER room, until her parents leave. You think also the parents would have been like, excuse me, HR, I'm trying to find my daughter, I brought her lunch, excuse me, you know. But whatever, the parents are on to her. So, <laughs> she gets home, they have a conversation, and they're like, what's going on? And she gives them half the truth. She confesses, I don't work at the hospital, I never graduated from University of Toronto from pharmacology, but she doesn't admit to never going to the first college or to not graduating high school. So she's only telling them half the truth. So she admits to that and she admits that she's been seeing Daniel. The parents... I think did almost what any parent would do. I think she was like 22, I was 25 just at so this point. I was so angry that I'd been lied to for so oh. long. It's not even about what and you were really were, doing. It's just the lie. This, a big lie too. A big lie that you carried on for four or five years now. That's mm-hmm. a long time. So the parents had been, you know, helping her out financially, et cetera, because she said she was buying books and all these things. So they essentially grounded her. 
they said, no more phone. You are staying home. You're going working back. You're not doing anything else. You're doing nothing else but piano lessons. You have to quit your restaurant job. They were tracking even her mileage, though, to make sure that she wasn't deviating from home to work and back. So they were controlling in that way. They t- Again, they took away her phone. Um, also, you're 20-something years old at this point. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe time to cut the umbilical cord a little bit. But... She carried on this lie of like, support me. I'm still doing good by you guys. You yeah, know but what like, I mean? move out. Like, oh, absolutely. Move out, get your well, life together. Well, that's the thing. The dad wanted to kick her out. Should have. But Should it was have. the mom that was like, can't really do no, that. No, it's just. It's our baby micromanager. Right. So mom was like, can't really do that. Let's just, you know, make sure she's here. She's, you know, starting to write. Because the dad did say, you're going to have to repay us for every. That makes so, sense to me. That right. makes 100% sense to so me. So you're staying home. You're going to work off all the money that we gave and you And if I were paying your cell phone years. bill, too, I would be like... That's done. Go get yourself a cell phone. But you, that I Absolutely. ain't paying for it. But, like, yeah. I, so they, they, you know, they gave her a curfew. Um, so that all happened, like, late 2018, early 2019. So... She was still sneaking, seeing Daniel every once in a while, but because the parents had completely told her to cut everything off, their relationship kind of wavered. Yeah. Um, and he started seeing another girl called Christy or Christine. And Christine. And she didn't like that. This is the boyfriend she's had for four or five years now, ever since high school. So she was in love with this man, this boy, and while they were separated, she even called him and while he's dating Christine and made up some crazy lies. She said to Daniel that three men had showed up to her door and that were going to rape her mm-hmm. and that the men told her that they were sent there by Christine the new girlfriend. Yes. And that also she had received a bullet in the mail. So all just to get him to talk to her again. So if you are a female that does this currently, yeah. Please go get your medications checked. Yes. And if your medications all look good, get into therapy. Yeah. Do something. Those are no, these are like terrible lies. <laughs> Oh, okay. So she made up these outrageous lies all to just get attention from a boy. And the boy was just like, you know, we're still good, but, you know, like, you know, I, you know, just. Not my problem. Not, not, you're not my girlfriend anymore. Or as one of my coworkers likes to say, not my circus, not my monkey. Not my monkey, not my circus. (laughs) One of the two. In July of 2009, she had had it Mm -hmm. with her parents controlling her life so much or basically being grounded that's yeah. what it was she was mad that she was grounded yeah and so what she did is that she went and talked to a childhood friend of hers that she remembered she had had a conversation with ones that he had mentioned he would want to kill his parents so it sparked an idea with her what if i kill my parents what if i just kill my dad was apparently the first thought that came through her head 
What if you move out? Yeah, right? (laughs) So plan one should always be move out. (laughs) So she met this friend, met up with him during a coffee meeting. Wow, what am I saying? Met up with him for coffee. Thank you. Yes. Met up with him for coffee and had this conversation of like, hey, would you be willing to kill my dad? I can tell you what time he gets home. You can basically just kill him in the driveway when he's getting home from work and she offered him fifteen hundred dollars this would be money that she got from piano lessons and whatnot i'm Mm -hmm. sure so she gave him fifteen hundred dollars but this first friend was like um no i'm not killing your dad but thanks for the money kind of thing apparently this is his story now yeah because he never went through with it nothing ever came of it And so she was mad that she was kind of ripped off and whatever. So she went back to Daniel Wong because we know that he has a little bit of a rap sheet, ex-boyfriend, and was like, hey, do you know anyone that would be willing to kill my parents? And he said, let me check my Rolodex. I'll find you someone. And he did. So he's like referring her out. Yeah. For a small fee. Um, it's like how people like contact me for anything cosmetic related. They're like, I know you know a girl. And I'm like, trust me, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so because of his ties with, you know, criminal activity, he did know someone. Last name is Crawford. Everyone knew him as Homeboy, which called up Homeboy um, <laughs> and was like, hey, how much for a hit? And although she didn't have much money. Her idea was... She'd get the money from her parents. She'd get the money from her parents' life insurance. Yeah. She would be getting about half a million dollars from the parents' life insurance. So she promised uh, some money to them after the hit would be done. And then maybe some upfront when... Because it was supposed to like look like a robbery. So mm-hmm. she would have some money available for them at the time. They were supposed to do a hit in early... So, a couple days before the actual hit happened on November 8th, this is when the first attempt, or when it was supposed to happen, she kind of had, like, a change of heart, because she was texting Daniel, and her plan was to get this life insurance money, go live somewhere else with Daniel, run away into the sunset, right? Daniel's like, Daniel's like, um, no, I thought you were doing this for you. Not for me or for an us. There is no us. Yeah. And she's like, well, yeah, I'm doing it for me, but kind of like, what's the point if you're not in my life and you're not going to be moving away with me, then there really is no point. So he's like, so you aren't doing this for you. You are doing this for you. He's like, don't think about me. Do this for you. So she kind of called it off at the that first time. And then she set it back in motion where... On November 8th, what happened was that her mom, Vic, had gone to work that day. She had come back in the evening, went line dancing. The dad had come home from work a little bit later than usual just because he had forgotten something at work halfway back home and he had gone back. So earlier in the day, she had done some piano lessons and she had a friend over and they were watching some TV and then... After the the friend left, she went upstairs to her room and started watching, sadly, Amazing Race, because it's one of my favorite shows, Um, was was watching TV, but also had one of her friends on the phone, and they were just watching TV 
kind of together type of thing, and they were talking. When she set off the plan into motion, the two things were supposed to happen. She, her mom came downstairs, etc. She came and said goodnight to her mom at around 9.30. Unbeknownst to her mom, Jennifer went down to the front door and unlocked it. Mm-hmm. She went back upstairs and was on the phone watching TV. She also went into a study, flicked the lights on and off, and this is confirmed by a across-the-street neighbor that you can see the lights turning on and off. Apparently, that was one of the signs of, like, okay, door's unlocked. You can come on in. Interesting. Okay. And she sent off a text saying VIP access granted, which is another code word for doors open. Yeah, super hard to decode. And, well, she thought she had it figured out because Daniel had given her a spare phone. And I don't know that you can do this so much now, but, or maybe you can, where you can just switch out the SIM cards. Mm -hmm. And so she had a SIM card from her phone, but she also had a SIM card that was provided to her so she can contact, so she can have her Killy plans just Mm -hmm. with this other SIM card. Her Killy plans. Yeah. So she set it all in motion. So three men came into the front door. Obviously had no trouble. There was no struggle to get in. The door was left open for them. The mom was downstairs watching TV. The dad was upstairs kind of resting already because he got up early in the morning. And according to her, and I guess we'll, you know, we only know half the story is that the mom yelled out for the dad mm-hmm. in English, even though primarily used Vietnamese in the house, and told him to come down. They struggled a bit. They um, shot the mom three times. One of them was a headshot. And on the dad, they shot him a couple times too. One was on the occipital bone, so really close to the eye. It shattered. There's still bullet fragments all over his face. And they shot him, like, near the neck collarbone area, so his collarbone was all shattered. She thought they were both dead. Mm -hmm. So she proceeded to call 911 with the performance of her lifetime. I'm sure. She is calling, yelling, saying, I don't know what's happening. There is, I I heard pops downstairs. I'm tied up upstairs. I'm tied up to the banister. And I'll show you the picture. I'm tied up, but I still managed to call you. Yeah, so that is one of the points. So she's saying that her arms were tied behind her back, but that her phone was in her back right pocket, but her hands were loose enough where she could reach it and put Mm -hmm. it out to the side here and call it, you know, calling from the hip, Mm -hmm. um, and said that she just put it on volume max and was calling 911. During the 911 call... You can tell she is caught by surprise when she hears her dad. Oh, boy. Because her dad starts yelling help. Mind you, of course, the dad's not privy to what's actually happening. So he's actually, like, worried for his daughter, too. Mm -hmm. But she's upstairs, calls the police, and the call ends when the cops get there. And they, you know, make sure that she can get off the phone. So she goes with her dad into the hospital there is virtually no wounds on her. When the cops do get to the house, they do have to get some scissors to cut off a shoelace. That's what's holding her hands tied. But the knot is tight enough to where they have to use some scissors to get it off. So there is some validity to her being actually tied up. So 
But there is no wounds on her. No scratches. She was never hurt. There was nothing. They gave her some tranquilizers to calm her nerves because apparently she was like in shock. I think she was in shock that her dad was alive. Um, <laughs> so, so they they released her to the to the police because mm-hmm. she's right now her dad's in critical condition and in surgery. She's the only surviving witness. So the cops sit her down. And they have this really long interrogation with her. Not interrogation, just kind of like talking about what happened, what you saw. She says there's three men that break into the house and they're demanding money. They're demanding money. Where's the money? They trash the room trying to look for money. And they, that she gives them some money that she has in her, you know, her wallet from doing the piano lessons, which we know that's what she was going to give them. Um, And that uh, they knew that the parents had some money, so they were asking for the parents' wallets. And then she, you know, they tied her up, they put her up in the banister, and then um, she heard some pops. She heard one of the guys say, like, that's enough. She heard one more pop, and then that's it. She, she... Didn't hear him anymore, so she called 911. That's her version of the story. She's sticking to it right now. Her emotions are non-existent. Mm-hmm. Not crying. You, she, she knows her mom is dead at this point. Yeah, doesn't seem to be grieving. And dad is in critical condition. So the cops take it for what it is. Right now, you're the only witness. We have no reason not to believe you. And they let her go, of course. Um, the dad does really well, mm-hmm. all things considered. Yeah. He has surgery. He's in the hospital. Four days later, he wakes up from a controlled coma. They didn't even know if he was going to be able to speak or not, but he was ready to speak. The cops went in and they're like, okay, tell us what you remember. He remembered everything. Oh, yeah. Love when that works out. Which was. They were only screaming at him and his wife, but his daughter Jennifer and one of the men were off to the side having a quiet conversation. She was never tied up while they were, you know, assaulting them or asking them for money and that he never even saw her tied up. So he doesn't know what she's talking about. Wow. He knows right off the bat something's fishy. Oh, yeah. So... Without telling her that they have the statement, they bring her back in and they have another interrogation with her. And the tactics that they use to interrogate her are like top notch. Yeah. They're so good. She she's 25 at this point, I think. She looks like a she looks like a teenager still. Oh yeah. She has like a little baby face. So they're treating her gently with like white glove service. Yeah. Um at one point. You know, just the cop is saying, you know, like, hey, we want the truth. You know, it's going to make you feel better, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, you know, we have satellites that can look into houses through X, like through infrared. Oh and God. we know. But it's just. <laughs> and she was like, oh, my God. She was like, oh, my God. So it's just like one of those things that like make her start spilling the beans. But what put them on to this whole like something's fishy other than her initial interview was that while the cops were investigating uh some of them were in one of the sorry two of them were in a cop car and someone came up to them and was like you should look into her boyfriend oh 
So that's when they started getting all the phone records, trying to figure out where people were. And that's how eventually how they pinned her. So she finally gave like a full, not confession. Again, man, we're just full of half-assed lies today. But she said that she had had it with her controlling parents, that she yeah. had no way out of the situation. So she said that she had hired someone to come kill her because in her culture, suicide is very frowned upon. So she had hired someone to come kill her and that everything went awry and that they ended up actually killing the wrong people. Okay. Right. Eventually, everyone in the case was charged. The three men were charged. They all pled guilty to it. There was no, there was no contest by any of them. Um, there were, you know, impact statements from everyone, including the dad. This was not a televised court or trial. This was not a televised trial, but the dad's statement has been made public. It's oh, it hits hard feels so bad for this guy. Mm. He said, you know, the love of his life, first and foremost, was taken away from him Yeah, without reason. He said, all I wanted was the best for my daughter, and I wanted her to be successful, and this is basically how she repays me. He's like, I, his value of life is almost non-existent now, just oh. because he's so injured. Oh, yeah, he he's lost work. everything. He lost everything. He said, you know... She brought shame to his family. Part of his statement is that he he can't work anymore. Right. He can't go anywhere without thinking or being known as this parent that was almost killed by his own daughter. He can't visit his home, but he can't sell the home because it's in a neighborhood that everyone knows what's happening in his culture. It's bad luck to buy a house that something like that happened in. Oh, no. So he stuck with this house. He said he can't even talk about it with his youngest son, Felix, because Felix doesn't want to talk about it. Well, yeah. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's like, I want to put it behind me. I want to move past this. And so he's like, I literally have no one to talk to about this. Oh. So, I feel so bad for oh, this man. Poor man. And he's like, I, I... He's like, he's staying with his older... He's staying with his sisters. He's like, I can't even get a house with, you know... I. This guy was just... His life is over. His life is over. And it's all because this girl wanted... To be a spoiled brat. Oh, my God. And right? she just didn't want to move out. Or she had all the means to be successful. Yeah. You had parents that supported you. And I know that some parents go to some extremes. I get it. But they had the money put away to help you. Also, this is all for a guy. It's all for a guy and for money. Yeah. That's it. Like, what, what is it that, you know, this guy Daniel can give you that you can't find somewhere else that you can't find after you're done with, you know, solidifying a career for yourself and, and making yourself successful? So eventually they they charged them all with um, with murder, of course, for, for the mom, Bic, and then also for... Uh, attempted murder on the dad. Yeah. And so they were all convicted. She was given life with the pr uh, possibility of parole after 40 years. So she'll be old or when she gets like 60 something when she gets out. So there's that. Um, 
very big story because a lot of, you know, not... <sighs> some people sympathize with her. Yeah, because, like, the articles are that she... Um, Killed her tiger parents. That's and what that they're the headlines abusive. are. If they were abusive right. parents, yeah. But not physically abusive, I guess emotionally abusive, but But, like, that's remove how yourself they see from it. the situation. Right. And then, I mean, she went to all these extremes. I mean, transcript after transcript. Lying that you're going somewhere for four years is just so, so extreme. Yeah. Keeping up that lie must have been just exhausting for her. Faking a parent's signature on a report card? Done sure. it. Sure. Yeah. But pretending to go to college for four and years? And work at a hospital? What the hell? Yeah. And work at a hospital? All for a boy. All for a boy. Who's not even interested in you Who doesn't even point? want you back? Yeah. You so, if we learned anything at this point, <laughs> is don't lie. So, yeah, that's the story of Jennifer Pam and matricide. New word for the day. <laughs> we learned something here. Yeah, we learned a couple things. Don't fake your grades. Don't fake pretend go to college for four years. Don't uh, chase a boy if he doesn't like you. Um, and don't order a hit on your parents. So today's What the, the Florida. Florida. Florida man masturbates outside of Walmart, grabs oh. deputy's butt. <laughs> <laughs> a Florida man was arrested after allegedly masturbating in a Walmart parking lot, then grabbing a deputy's butt saying, let me just feel it. 19-year-old Trenton James oh, Rich faces charges it. of exposing, <laughs> exposing sexual organs, <laughs> battery of an officer, assault of an officer, and arresting and resisting an officer. Doesn't sound like he was resisting. Oh my God. Apparently, the deputy responded to a report of indecent exposure, and they spotted him out shirtless sitting on top of a picnic table next to the pickup area of the store. Ew! And apparently, when the deputy approached him and said that he matched a description, he told the officer, quote, suck my dick. <laughs> and then when the officer attempted to arrest him... He pulled away, pulled his dance pants down, and again told the officer to suck it. Oh my god. Suck my dick! And he even did the karate chop thing over his... Oh my god. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, And then apparently when the officer grabbed him, or pulled him, like, to arrest him, he grabbed the deputy's butt and said, let me just feel it. <laughs> Sorry, not funny. Sexual assault is not funny, but Florida, come on. Get it together. <laughs> um, oh, man. Do you want to do our Patreons? Sure. So for today, our two Patreons, we have Kristen. Thank you. Thank you. And we have to thank Kalik. And... <laughs> Sorry, I can't even say it. And his friend and coworker Sal, aka Sally Boy. <laughs> um, we really appreciate you guys listening out on the job, and Navy is saying hi as well. Oh my gosh, I have to say it again just in case you missed it, Sally Boy. Say Sally Boy. <laughs> and Cleek, we are hoping that you recover very quickly. Yes, I wish you a speedy, speedy recovery. So, uh, with that said, thank you guys. Um, you can find our Patreon by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or download the app. 
or download the app. I didn't know they had an app, but I have the app now. Um, and Welcome to 2021. I know. <laughs> um, and you can find us by looking up Stranger Danger Podcast. There's no A True Crime in there, but it's a Stranger Danger Podcast. It'll still pop up. It's us. Um, yeah. You can also go over to our Instagram at A Stranger Danger Podcast. Email us, A Stranger Danger Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Stranger Danger, colon, A True Crime Podcast, or the groups, colon, Murder Lovers. And you can find us on Twitter using SD True Crime Pod. Thank you so much, you guys. Okay. See you next time. Bye-bye now. Bye.